Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. And welcome to this, a very special, special weekend edition of the Underdog Football Show. I'm Josh Norris. His name, Hayden Winks. Hayden Winks finally happened. Happened on a weekend. We had to hop on here on the Underdog Fantasy Channel. Julio Jones is on his way to become a Tennessee Titan. First reported by Diana Russini, followed up by Ian Rappaport. Details from Albert Breer. It's a second and a fourth round pick are going back to Atlanta. And then Julio Jones and a sixth round pick to the Tennessee Titans. So many angles to cover here, Hayden Winks. I think we should start off with the Titans, don't you think? How does this impact Tennessee as a team, and most importantly, the individuals that we care most about? So for the the Titans, I think you and I were, and I think a lot of uh, analysts just in general, were kind of down on the Titans. They lost a lot of people on defense. They lost a lot of people, big names on offense, including their offensive coordinator. The Titans, basically, I thought that their Super Bowl window had closed, This was kind of like the last-ditch effort to keep that window intact. And I think this was just a good move. I think it was worth the risk. Obviously, trading for an older wide receiver comes with a ton of risk, especially with Julio Jones' injury history down with his feet and his ankles and all that fun stuff. But I do think this was a worthwhile risk because it kind of changes the outlook of the Titans this year. This offense is going to be very good again, just how it has been under Ryan Tannehill the last two years. And I think that all of our predictions for the AFC South in our last couple episodes, I would be willing to kind of hedge against those now. And now the Titans and the Colts come basically are like head to head now. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, We have said that we want to bet the under on win totals for the Titans for a while. This does change things up. And, And you mentioned this team from the last few years, one that's Arthur Smith calling the place. And he is a maestro, a magician inside the red zone on those important, you know, four-point plays, and Brian Tannehill has been a major beneficiary of it. But they hired within. That should give us some confidence that they're going to do somewhat of the same thing. And, you know, people view the Titans and have for years as a run-first team with, you know, Ryan Tannehill picking his points to throw the football. And while on some level that's a little bit true, I would also say, Hayden, that in many games and their best offensive successes have been throwing first. You know, they, they throw to lead. And then run to win. I mean, there are times when, you know, they put up 42 points against the Bills, 42 points against the Texans, 45 points against the Colts, 35 points against the Cleveland Browns, 46 points against the Detroit Lions, 41 points against the Houston Texans. Like this team has enough skill position talent, offensive line talent, even quarterback talent to post enough points to win the Super Bowl. The defense was the main issue last year, and they've tried to fix that with you know some free agent additions and obviously the draft as well. So I think that the defense is still going to be bad, and they, they awesome. need this coach to be to be maybe not as good as Arthur Smith, but but close to it. I do think the offensive foundation is, is perfectly set. I, I think that the big thing is just like looking back at Julio Jones' season last year, 
people are kind of underrating how efficient this dude was. Here's some stats. Wide receiver three in PPR points per game. Wide receiver seven in fantasy usage per game. Wide receiver four in fantasy points over expected. Wide receiver four in yards per route run, which is super predictive. That's courtesy of PFF. And then uh, courtesy of Sports Info Solution, he was number one in EPA EPA per target in the wide receiver five and fantasy points earned per route run. So basically in every single stat you can come up with, Julio Jones was a top five receiver last season. Obviously the big question is the health, but I think that the Titans are taking on this contract and people from the Falcons perspective, it was, it was a big contract, but for the Titans perspective, it is not that big of a contract, right? The Titans are going to be paying him $15.3 million this year. And then the next two seasons, Julio Jones is $11.5 million, and there's basically not that much guaranteed money after this season. So unless Julio Jones is sitting out, the Titans are basically paying Julio Jones as if he's like a borderline top 10 receiver. And last season, when he was healthy, he was locked and loaded still as that top five real-life receiver. He's going to be very efficient with Ryan Tannehill just because the way this offense is orchestrated. I believe GM John Robinson has already come out and said that he does not need to cut anyone in order to make this deal happen. It's just some restructures in order to make the salary cap work. All right, let's go piece by piece here. First, let's even talk about the compensation. I mentioned it. A second and a fourth round pick going towards the Atlanta Falcons for maybe, if not the best player in the history of that organization. We know he's you know, on the decline of his career just from an age perspective. But this is fair compensation. And I would add it, my opinion, Hayden, from the Titans, it absolutely is. And I don't know if Julio helped himself from the Atlanta Falcons perspective, because it certainly sounds like it's he's the one who orchestrated and started this whole thing. We just heard about it much later on. The the report said that Julio Jones was asking for the trade. And I think from the the Falcons. Uh, salary cap perspective, they needed to get rid of either Julio Jones or Matt Ryan coming into this year. If right. they didn't, if they wanted to keep both of them, they would have had to made a ton of changes to the roster. And they already had kind of like a little cleansing going on this offseason. And it sucks that they had to trade Julio Jones. And I don't think they got enough compensation. Uh, I mean, they basically got the Muhammad Sanu drill, this uh, Muhammad Sanu yeah. trade, which is just incredible to think about. I mean, some of these like defensive prospects get traded for the same amount of draft capital as what Julio Jones um, is being traded for. To me, the the Falcons had to make this deal because they're just trying to reset, become flexible next offseason and the offseason after that. And Julio Jones was the one that needed to get traded because nobody was going to be taking on the Matt Ryan contract. The Matt Ryan contract was much bigger, especially after they restructured that. So we can debate that the Falcons should have drafted a quarterback at fourth overall. But I think the Falcons wanted to do this like soft rebuild, not completely tank out, and then have enough capital next year, the year after that, to finally address their quarterback. Is that smart? Is it smart to be kind of stuck between two worlds, which the Falcons are? I mean, they have this aging quarterback who you know they had to pay more money to this offseason in a loaded quarterback class. Now, technically, they didn't have their choice of the top three on their board potentially, right? So they were at you know quarterback four, quarterback five that were drafted this year if they want to take one at number four overall. overall. I, I think that we forget that as part of this conversation. Like, what if they like Trey Lance the most? You know, what if they like Zach Wilson or, or Trevor Lawrence the most? Uh, it's it's very rare that you fall in love with, with multiple quarterbacks, and maybe that was a major factor in their decision-making to, on some case, on some level, select Matt Ryan over Julio Jones moving forward. 
I think you're exactly right. I mean, if you look at just the, the Justin Fields and Mac Jones were not top 10 prospects, according to the yeah. NFL, the way the draft is obviously that's not like as uh, apples to apples, but I don't think that the Justin Fields was being viewed as this top five guy, like a lot of us, including you and I were on Twitter. And we think that Justin Fields is better than what the NFL does. And I, I don't know who's going to be right us or them. Um, but I don't think it's just as simple as they just pass on Justin Fields. What the hell are they doing? I think that they wanted to maybe let Matt Ryan have a good season with Kyle Pitts and Cal, uh, Calvin Ridley and this new play caller. And maybe they can trade him next year. Now that some of this or the, the season after that, uh, let Matt Ryan have a good season and then kind of dish him out um, afterwards. It, it's tough if you're a Falcons fan, obviously losing Julio Jones, the best player in the, in the organization's history. That's no fun, especially because we were so excited about what this offense could be. The Falcons are probably going to win six, eight games this year, kind of be in just this purgatory. They don't have enough draft capital to make a big move next year. And I think that maybe they run it back with Matt Ryan for a second year in this kind of soft rebuild situation. It, it This is just the, the roster. This is what Terry Fontenot inherited from the last regime because they went all in with all these restructures and signings. So now this is where they have to take your medicine. I think that this year, next year, the Falcons are going to be taking a lot of Advil. If we could put ourselves in John Robinson's shoes and in Matt Vrabel's shoes, do you think the quality, and I would say the poor quality of the division factors into this as well? Like there's so much turnover and turmoil in that division at the moment where you think, hey, as long as these pieces that we added on defense this offseason is going to turn out much more and going to benefit us much more than it did last offseason when you went in for Vic Beasley and, and Jadavion Clowney and both were complete busts as free agent prospects. Do you think that that factors in where you have the Colts, where, where you have the you know the Jaguars, where you have obviously the Houston Texans are? They're the clear favorites once again here. It has to. I mean, they have they have an all-in window right now, just especially with A.J. Brown on his rookie deal. I don't think you can be banking on Derrick Henry having like too many more huge seasons, maybe a couple, one, two, three. Um, but beyond that, I think you kind of have to go in with, with Ryan Tannehill's playing as good as he is. And I think that the division has to come into play. Obviously the, now the Titans are back right in the playoff mix. Um, they might be the favorite over the Colts. I haven't really de- decided that. I think that it's basically a 50, 50 call between those two with the Jaguars as a long shot. The Titans, the Titans are going to be one of the best offenses in the league. And especially for fantasy purposes, because the defense is really bad. Still, they lost all of their starting corners from last year. They were bottom 10 in basically every defensive metric. So you're going to see a lot of these games where it's the Ryan, uh, Ryan Tannehill shootouts, the Derrick Henry, 200 yard games. You're going to see all of that just basically like last year, but instead of getting that elite efficiency season from Corey Davis. Now it'd be from uh, Julio Jones. There is a giant storm going outside my window. So if it screws up any of the audio or my connection, just, I want everyone to know that. Uh, so we've done it from the two teams perspectives, right? Should we go from an individual standpoint here? And I'm assuming we should probably start off with the, the Tennessee Titans end of this, right? Where AJ Brown prior to this Sunday deal in the works was going as the wide receiver three overall, um, Julio Jones was going as the wide receiver 16 overall. We know Derrick Henry was going as the running back four overall. And we know that Ryan Tannehill was going as the running back 16 overall. These are all according to underdog ADPs. If you think and if you heed the words that we're about to say that an edge is created here, obviously you can always go right now and play an underdog either for a million dollars in Best Ball Mania 2 or any $5, $10, $20 drafts over there as well. Should we start with the A.J. Brown and Julio Jones dynamic there, Hey, 
Yeah, let, let's do it. I, I think AJ Brown is is pretty interesting because I think everybody, including you and I, really want to be high on AJ Brown. Yep. But if you just look at last year's stats, he was the wide receiver nine per game on underdog fantasy. And I don't think, I mean, has anything that like really changed from AJ Brown's like last season to this season? I'm, you're basically inheriting health. An, yeah, health possibly. But I, I moved him from wide receiver four down to wide receiver eight. So I'm giving him a little bit of a bump from last year, um, especially that those last year stats don't factor in some of these other injuries. Then these players are going to be healthy themselves. So I, I do think that he's still a top 10 fantasy receiver. I do think that those 200 target seasons that we were dreaming of, right. I don't think that that's in his range of outcomes unless Julio got hurt. Um, but I think right now he's like a, a mid range, low end wide receiver one. And unfortunately I think that the Tyreek Hills, the Stefan Diggs. Even the Calvin Ridleys, I think, are in a tier above A.J. Brown at this point. Yeah, A.J. Brown last season finished as, I believe, the wide receiver nine in fantasy points per game, just behind Will Fuller and and Adam Thielen. I'm with you. Part of the reason why we had suggested that A.J. Brown could finish as the wide receiver one overall, and in some cases I was drafting him as that, was because there was finally an opportunity to get those 140 possible target seasons now in his first two years he's been incredible but as a rookie when he really didn't hit his stride and and the titans didn't allow him to maybe until like week four week five week six that was 84 targets but he turned those 84 targets into over a thousand yards and eight touchdowns last season in just 14 games played 106 targets 70 receptions 1075 yards and 11 touchdowns so i'm with you like it's it's not one where we're going to knock him too much he's still going to be in that top 10 wide receiver group, but are you going to take him above a Stefan Diggs, above a Tyree Kill, above a Devontae Adams right now? And simply from a volume standpoint, you probably can't. We just, though, said, Hayden, that we think the Titans offense is going to be among the league's best. But we think that because it's from an efficiency standpoint, from a personnel standpoint, and from a quarterback to wide receiver and running back and offensive line fit. It's not necessarily going to allow what we think still is going to be their number one wide receiver in AJ Brown to reach the opportunity level as everyone out. Does this change Julio at all from wide receiver 16? And he was going after, he was going after CD lamb. He was going after Mike Evans. He was going after Terry McLaurin. We knew he was going to be somewhere else. So like there was some ambiguity of drafting him in the first place. Does the landing spot change that wide receiver 16 ADP at all? I didn't change him at all. He's my wide receiver 15 before and after the trade. I was assuming that he was going to be traded. And I think that this was one of the better landing spots. I mean, if he got like buried on like the Patriots or something, then it'd be, I think, more concerning. Uh, I'm very confident that Julio Jones would be one of the most efficient receivers in the game this year with Ryan Tannehill. All these play action intermediate stuff. Ryan Tannehill is going to be putting the ball on Julio Jones. He's still so athletic. He's going to be making a lot of big plays Uh, just from last year. Uh, Corey Davis was the wide receiver 31 per game on top 10 efficiency. I think that you can expect Julio Jones to be a little bit better than Corey Davis was last year, even though Corey Davis was really good and obviously losing Johnny Smith and some other secondary guys. um, I think you can comfortably project Julio Jones ahead of that wide receiver 31 finish last year. I do think that you have to either expect Julio Jones to like take over AJ Brown as the wide receiver one on this team, which I don't think I'm willing to do just because of the age difference and how much of a baller AJ Brown is. So I kind of settled like where I was going into this and uh, upside wide receiver two. I think he's going to be very inconsistent this year. So I do Mm -hmm. think Josh, we talk about this all the time. 
He is somebody that's going to be better in best ball. So if you have maybe a redraft league, don't draft him there. Come over to Underdog Fantasy. Use the promo code beneath us. Draft him in best ball where you're going to get all these spiked weeks and you don't have to deal with these like five-point games from Julio. Promo code the show gets you a free $25 on your first deposit. You mentioned yards per route run. Devontae Adams was clearly the best, then Justin Jefferson. But so many names involved in this deal are right after that. A.J. Brown, number three in the NFL. Julio Jones, number four in the NFL. Then you go down to Calvin Ridley, number eight in the NFL. Oh, and look, Corey Davis was there at number five in the NFL. Yards per route run is a, a, a great metric in terms of projecting success in the following season. It is sticky in that those players don't just turn out to be bad the next year. They turn out to, again, most likely be among the top 10, top 15 uh, at their position. So, okay, I I do want to quickly say, Hayden, I would listen to the argument with Julio Jones. I know he's being drafted wide receiver 16 because I think naturally just the uncertainty of where he's going to be his next team, you know, the three letters next to his name on underdog, you don't know what they were going to be. So I think there was some hesitancy to draft him. I would listen to someone that that would want to draft him ahead of, of Mike Evans. I would do that. But that's just one wide receiver spot, you know? It just it's, gets it, so tough. It gets so it tough does. when you're ranking receivers. I was on another podcast. They're like, why do you have Terry McLaurin so low? I'm like, I have him like my wide receiver 17. I was like, which guys? It's like Mike Evans, C.D. Lander, all these guys. It's that huge group. But this is the group that you and I keep advocating for. This is round three. This is round four. This is round five, where you and I want to be drafting every receiver in this range instead of the running backs. So even right. if we are one or two spots lower than consensus on a Terry McLaurin or a Julio Jones, we're still going to be drafting those guys because we're not drafting these uh, RB2s, low-end RB2s going right next to these guys. So um, I, I think ultimately Julio Jones, like I'm not going to be too over the top or too below either way. I do want to spoil one narrative real quick. The Ryan Tannehill deep ball narrative, the Matt Ryan deep ball narrative. We got awesome information from Sports Info Solutions Over the last two seasons, both Ryan Tannehill and Matt Ryan are top 12 quarterbacks on on on-target passes beyond 15 yards of the line of scrimmage. So this is like deep ball accuracy, intermediate accuracy. Both players were very good, very efficient on delivering the ball on target. I don't think that we should be overreacting to this trade about like deep balls or if like Matt Ryan lost his deep ball. He didn't really lose his deep ball. Ryan Tannehill is not a bad deep ball thrower. This is perfectly fine. Like the fit is totally, totally, yeah. totally fine for all involved. And that's why I think we're kind of bullish on like the landing spot in this trade just in general, because it basically there's a there's more winners than losers in this trade. And if you go back and watch Willow Jones, even last season, he's still running by people. Oh, yeah. And there was even that quote that came out that said, well, Julio wants to go somewhere with a great deep ball thrower. And it's because he knows that he's still running by people. Ryan Tano can do that. I previously had, prior to this news, Ryan Tannehill all the way down as the quarterback 20. Again, on underdog, he was going as the quarterback 16. I see now, spoiler, you have moved him up all the way to quarterback 12. Where should people be taking Ryan Tannehill now? He's right on that border, kind of like that tear break when you're talking about your Tom Brady's and there's like that dip down to like a Trey Lance, which is a complete. It's those rookies. Yeah, it's right. It's right in between those. I think that Ryan Tannehill last year, he was the quarterback 12 per game. I don't see that too much has changed for him outside of the coaching staff change, where I think that the upgrade from Corey Davis to Julio Jones kind of offsets that in a way. So I think I'm just kind of sticking with, all right, this is what Ryan Tannehill did last year. 
I'm expecting the same kind of defensive performance from the Titans. The division's still really bad. Yeah, throw him at quarterback 12, just like how, how he finished last year, and just kind of stick with that. Last season, again, Titans, A.J. Brown got 106 targets. Corey Davis, 92 targets. Jonu Smith got 65 targets. Anthony Ferkser, 53. A lot of injuries, a lot of shuffling between players happened last year. I do want to bring up, once again, we talked this in a previous show, Corey Davis and Jonu Smith combined for 13 touchdowns last season. Both of those players must be replaced somehow in this offense. Not saying ever that Julio Jones has been great in red zone situations or great on end zone targets. But if there's some opportunity to pick up those pieces and hopefully the new OC can pick up what Arthur Smith did last year, um, that can maybe happen with Julio. Anything about Derrick Henry here, or is it very stable as the running back four who we have after Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, and Alvin Kamara, but ADP has Saquon and Kamara flipped? All those guys are right next to each other. I didn't see it too big of a reason to move Derrick Henry's projection one way or the other. I was kind of concerned that maybe Derrick Henry, if the Titans were bad because they lost all these pieces, then Derrick Henry's game scripts would kind of go away from him. Um, so I, I do think that this probably raises his floor with Julio Jones there because the Titans offense is going to be good. And there was a chance out there that losing all those guys, making the Titans offense average to below average this year. I'm not expecting that at all anymore. So I think that Derrick Henry is his floor is probably a little bit higher and he deserves like top five consideration picking between like Saquon or Derrick Henry, Alvin Kamara, like good luck. All those guys are projected for basically the same amount of points. So we've covered the Titans from every single angle. Let's now do that with the Atlanta Falcons. We've mentioned that Matt Ryan is going as the quarterback 13 right now. Uh, Calvin Ridley is going as the wide receiver seven. Cal Pitts was already going as the tight end four. Russell Gage, if I can find him quickly, do you have it in, in front of you? Um, I had my he's ring. going as a wide receiver 63 right now on underdog. Let me, I'll ask it this way, Hayden. Why not just say, well, AJ Brown was going as the wide receiver three, still is at this very moment. Calvin Ridley was going as the wide receiver seven. Why not just flip them? Should Calvin Ridley now be considered the wide receiver three in fantasy football? He's my wide receiver four. If you think that uh, Devontae Adams isn't going to have Aaron Rodgers this year, I think that you can flip those two guys as well. But um, to me, Calvin Ridley's like he was already a wide receiver one. We were already expecting Julio Jones to be traded. So I didn't I didn't really move any of these Falcons too much in my personal ranking because I, I was already assuming that Julio was going to get moved. But exactly. I do think that Calvin Ridley, this is like the most interesting uh, discussion outside of the Kyle Pitts one, is some of these splits are – absurd with Calvin Ridley in and out uh, versus when Julio's in the lineup versus when he's out of the lineup. I think that some of the, some of these small sample stats can get really uh, people put too much weight on them. Um, I think that who Calvin Ridley is probably going to average like a point or two more per game uh, without Julio Jones now, but I, I do want to warn people. Like, I don't think it's just going to be like Calvin Ridley is averaging 23 points per game because in his last eight games without Julio Jones, he was averaging that much. Like that's just not how the math works, especially when you add Kyle Pitts to that offense compared to the number two receivers. Um, when Julio Jones was out of the lineup last year, we're just like total, total uh, replacement level guys. So I think that Calvin Ridley deserves top five love. I don't think that Calvin Ridley could outseat Devonte Adams. If Devonte Adams has Aaron Rodgers, I think that there yeah. is like a little bit of a tier difference between those guys, but Calvin, Calvin Ridley is like, I think locked in top five now. So basically now you're having a conversation of Calvin Ridley versus DeAndre Hopkins and DK Metcalf. 
that's Correct. that's where it is at this moment. Um, I would also suggest maybe sharp people, and this is why it's the difference between having that Titans conversation because now we know the Julio Jones fit. We already knew that Julio wasn't going to be on the Atlanta Falcons. So like Calvin, maybe at wide receiver seven was a value in some ways, maybe by one or two spots. But again, like you just said, I don't think it's going to vault him all the way up into the top two into the top three. And that's absolutely the case with Kyle Pitts, who was already being drafted right after those behemoths at the tight end position of Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, and Darren Waller. Again, we knew that Julio wasn't going to be on this roster in, in 2021. Does it change anything in your mind about Kyle Pitts here? Just solidify it more, more than anything. I think that it was just always de- uh, between Mark Andrews and Kyle Pitts. And now I'm feeling pretty confident that's going to be Kyle Pitts. Like this is yeah. crazy. And uh, earlier in like the pre-draft process, you asked me like for a bold take. And I said, Kyle Pitts is a top five uh, fantasy tight end this year going into the draft. But because I was so bullish on Kyle Pitts, now all this stuff has changed. And I think that this is just going to be the consensus take. He's just that fucking good. He's just yep. so good Language. at the game. And like the, the the available targets now, like the whole thing, the defense is even worse than it was last year probably because they, they missed a couple of secondary guys. They haven't addressed the, the pass rushers yet in Atlanta. It's hard to see how this fails unless Kyle Pitts is just like totally not ready. But if you watched him last year, if you have a, a model, he was just so good. I'm expecting like outlierish uh, performance because he is like a true outlier. Got to ask about Russell Gage because technically he's like second on the wide receiver depth chart going as wide receiver 63. Hayden, I think Russell Gage is like just a guy. I remember listening to Thomas Dimitrov after he drafted Russell Gage and all he brought up was special teams and how he's going to help there. Like him even impacting this wide receiver group from receiving angle has been a surprise for this team. He's a replaceable talent, I think. Maybe just that's not giving a, a tad enough credit. But again, I don't think he's someone that should be you know, commanding our attention as a top 50 wide receiver. But because now, again, where the depth chart stands, because this Julio Jones, people are just going to react to it immediately. I wouldn't be shocked if he does begin drafting like people will start drafting him as that top 50 option which i would hesitate to do i moved him to tight end or wide receiver 56 yeah and i think that the one thing we have to talk about is now that the falcons have moved julio jones they have a little bit of cap room to sign their rookies also if they wanted to they could bring in a two three four million dollar receiver this year like for example if jameson crowder gets cut the Falcons could be a team that brings in a little bit of competition. And I'm with you that Russell Gage is more of a replacement level guy. If he sticks in two uh, receiver sets, awesome. He's going to be an inconsistent wide receiver four or five every week. But there's a chance that he just doesn't get the opportunity that we were penciling him in on the depth chart. Currently, a lot. There's still a couple more months before we get into week one. The Falcons could make a little bit of a move here. and I don't think that the bar is too high for Russell Gage um, to clear. So I'm with you. I don't want to get overly bullish on him. I think that he deserves a slight uh, rankings increase, but inside the top 50, I I can't get there. Here's my pitch. And I understand that the Titans and the Falcons are constructed differently. And the Titans offensive line for multiple years has been better. Uh, The Falcons have tried to do that and fix it, but you know, first round picks two that they've spent on haven't stayed healthy or, or progress in the talents that they wanted them to be. But under Arthur Smith. This is what we talked about heading into this year. Can Arthur Smith change his ways and pass more, you know, more often from the start, from the jump, from every single situation to, you know, make Julio and Calvin and Kyle Pitts and all these targets 
comfortable. Well, now one of those massive ones is eliminated. Derrick Henry last season, 378 carries, 17 touchdowns. Derrick Henry last season, just 31 targets, but we know that's not his strength. In fact, we've seen the likes of Jeremy McNichols come in and get 17 targets. You know, like Khalif Raymond have like 15. You know, some other running backs pop in and out and get some opportunities. Mike Davis is still a value at running back 23. I have him at running back 18. You have him at running back 20. He's going after a bunch of names who I think he is still going to outproduce this season. And this only backs up my belief that if Mike Davis stays healthy, he will absolutely finish the season as a top 20 running back in fantasy football. He was so good as a check down artist. And Matt Ryan historically has thrown the ball underneath. And that's something that the Titans uh, with Derrick Henry weren't doing. I think that Mike Davis could catch like 50 passes this year. Yep especially if the Falcons defense is as bad as what we think. So it's just, we're praying that the Falcons don't add somebody else, but even with, with this that, money that they have to spend now. Yeah. That's so I'm hoping <laughs> a, another receiver instead of bringing some more competition for Mike Davis with that uh, additional cap space. But, but for the most part, I'm not too concerned. Mike Davis, I thought was a pretty decent runner between the tackles. He really fits this scheme. Uh, the Falcons kind of prioritize him in, in free agency made a move for him uh, pretty early on. So, I'm okay with Mike Davis still. Uh, the upside is very, very evident, especially after the Mike, or the Julio Jones um, situation. Can I throw out uh, just two two names for you? Uh, yep. Hayden Hurst, I moved him up. I think that he's now in the draftable range just because we're going to see a lot of 12 personnel. The Titans were uh, top two last year under Arthur Smith in that. I think that the depth chart really shows uh, Hayden Hurst is going to be on the field a lot. And then I moved Josh Reynolds down a ton. Do you have any interest? Who would you rather have in the 18th round of your best ball draft, uh, Hayden Hurst or Josh Reynolds? I wouldn't look to add any Haydens in off seasons. So, same thing with Josh's. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, quickly, just back to what we were saying. Mike Davis is running back 23. Uh, DeAndre Swift is going as running back 16. Too bold to just flip those. Yeah. No, I don't know. I. I these are the debates we're going to have tomorrow on a race. Yes. So give, what? Give me, what a give predictor. Me. What what a little nugget you just put out this week and next week. We are doing our positional ranking shows, our Monday stream at 1230 Eastern. And we're there Monday through Thursday at 1230 Eastern. We're going to f- first start with running backs because this year in drafts now, they kind of are the foundation of rosters. And it just depends on how many you want to select early. And then that's how you build your roster from there. So again, Monday at 1230 on YouTube, we'll have a running back ranking show and that'll be available on your podcast feed on Tuesday mornings. Then flip to Wednesday slash Thursday. We'll do wide receivers. Then the next week, quarterbacks and tight ends. Do we need to say anything about Matt Ryan before we get out of here? Has anything changed? We Again, it's a different feeling knowing we were drafting these Falcons already because we knew Julio Jones was going to be in the roster. And it, it it changed the Titans much more drastically. He moved from quarterback 13 to quarterback 14 in my rankings just because, like, Ryan Tannehill's now ranked ahead of him. I, do, I was already assuming that Julio was out of here. So, um, I don't know. I think that Kyle Pitts makes these splits not as drastic for Matt Ryan. Like, now he has a legit number two option. And I think that the, the offensive coordinator difference between this year uh, since, like, Shanahan left I think that's an upgrade too so I don't think that these Matt Ryan splits are going to be quite as drastic as they once were especially if he doesn't have to pass the ball as much if they go a little more balanced you're going to see his yards per attempt go up more play action that's probably going to move his yards per attempt 
uh, up to. So I don't think that I want to overreact to those previous on-off splits. But obviously, you lose Julio Jones, like that matters a ton. Yeah. So I, I think that he's not a, a quarterback one anymore. I think he's going to have some ceiling weeks as a quarterback too. If you care to read words on it, Hayden has a full thing on the underblog. That's underblog.underdogfantasy.com. Go and check that out. Again, check out our ranking shows live on YouTube on Monday and Wednesday, 1230 Eastern, also in your podcast feeds on Tuesday and Thursday. We are here to win you your fantasy football leagues now and in August and September when we get there as well. If you are new to underdog, go and deposit anything. Use promo code the show and you get a free $25. Hayden, before we get out of here, is there anything left to be said? I think we covered it all here. I think that was all of my Julio Jones takes. And if I missed anything, <laughs> it's on underblog. I, I, I don't have anything else for you. And if we miss anything, we have another two months to talk about it as well. All right, everyone. We will see you tomorrow, Monday. Up the villa. Talk to you all soon. See you.